What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Passing Downs Podcast. I'm your host, Rahul, and I'm here with my co-host, PD. PD, say what's up. What's up? And we're back with another one of our QB Room episodes today, a pretty long series. But before I get into that, just real quick, if you guys have been enjoying any of the pods or like this one, please just go ahead, sub, give a follow, leave a like, whatever you can do on your platform that you're listening on to support. That would be great. We'd love that. And if you guys like hearing our takes and stuff, follow us on Twitter. Uh, PDs is PD34 underscore. Mine's at RealRahulPody2. Uh, and with that being said, let's get right into another episode of the QB Rooms. Today's going to be the Seahawks one. And this is another one of those episodes we have where we're spending the whole uh, episode talking about one QB room because that's just we feel like this is one of those that needs that. We've gotten a couple of those done, I think three at this point. And if you guys haven't checked those out or any of the previous ones, we've gone through every single team. So if we've talked about your favorite team's QB room, go ahead, check that out. And with that being said, let's get right into the Seahawks and the starter Geno Smith's game, PD. All right, let's talk about Geno Smith. So Geno Smith, maybe my favorite quarterback to watch in the league last year. He was an absolute blast to watch and his whole entire game, it begins with his aggression. He is extremely aggressive, pushing the ball down the field. Um, he is willing to take chance after chance, sometimes not to his benefit, but we'll get into that later. Um, he is he was the best deep ball thrower in the league last year, and I don't think it's all that close. Um, he has an extremely strong arm, and paired with his extremely good accuracy, especially when you adjust it for the quality of or the the types of passes and, and windows that he was throwing into it. It was maybe the most accurate season in the league. He was absolutely incredible. Um, he also pairs that with strong timing and has a really, really good base and footwork to work off of. Um, so really, really complete from a standpoint of moving inside the, or passing from the pocket. He also has solid movement skills kind of in that mold of like, if you need five yards on third and five, he can go get you six, um, that type of scrambler. Um, and he has some decent size to him, um, and he uses it to, to kind of take hits. Um, we'll also discuss that a little bit later. Um, and then to kind of top it off, um, he, he kind of has this kind of um, really good feel for, for when to start pushing the ball down the field. At least he did early on in the year. Um, and he's just constantly looking to drive the ball into tight windows and stuff like that. Um, to get into some of the negatives, it is going to be avoiding negatives. Um, and he puts the ball in harm's way a ton. Um, he's maybe behind Josh Allen or someone of that ilk, um, the most error-prone quarterback in the league in terms of throwing interceptable passes. Um, and he is very, very aggressive holding onto the football and kind of tends to take too many sacks. Um, and you can kind of see some reasoning for that uh, with the O-line falling off towards the end of the year, but I still think he needs to do a lot of work um, to, to shore that up. Um, and with the interceptable passes, like I am not one to nitpick too much on interceptable passes, but some of his interceptable passes towards the end of the year fall more in the Matthew Stafford category or the Jared Goff category, where you're just losing your mind. You don't need to throw that. Um, a few interceptions that he's throwing into the end zone, like um, that, that, that's not really what I want to see um, in terms of ag- balancing aggression and patience. Um, but still. That up and down play style is extremely fun to watch, um, and for most of the year, his gambling was 
was for the betterment of the offense. Yeah, I definitely can agree with you on him being one of my favorite players to watch, especially being a Niners fan, a Seahawks quarterback. is never going to take that title for me. But Gino did absolutely have an incredible season, especially to start off. And before even getting to that, I just want to talk about how incredible of a story he was. I mean, coming into the season, if you go back and watch like our pods talking about Geno Smith, me and PD pretty much both consensus were like, okay, this guy's definitely a bridge quarterback for the Seahawks team. They're going to feel him out a year, maybe even tank and try to get one of the better quarterbacks at the top of this draft class. And he came back and was quite literally the comeback player of the year after I think like six years of not being a starter. He came in playing at age 32 for the first time in a very long time. And had an incredible season, was one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league, was one of the most aggressive quarterbacks in the league, just pushing the ball downfield. Sometimes, like PD mentioned, to his disadvantage, and we'll talk about that, of course. But he was one of the most, he made some of the best throws all year, really fitting it in. He became one of the best, like, back shoulder fade or, like, deep corner of the end zone uh, type passers in the entire league. It just seemed like after being around the league for so long and being an important backup to a lot of teams, he had kind of just developed a real feel for the game. And we really don't talk about how much like experience and reps matters for quarterbacks in general because you see guys like Geno Smith and I feel like a lot of just older quarterbacks who came in last year having not played too much and honestly were kind of ruled out for the most part in being like any form of good and were able to hold their own and Geno Smith was one of the few that was able to even go beyond that and be good beat a lot of these other quarterbacks who have been playing consistently year in year out for for a long time so to me the coolest thing about this was the story because I don't think I've ever seen someone who you know came in as a top prospect after like two years essentially lost their job for playing terrible and I guess six, seven years down the line, somehow regained a starting role on a team that had no expectations and led them to the playoffs, had an incredible season along the way. And I agree, there's still a lot for him to work on. At this point, he's gone past the, oh, it's cool that Geno Smith's back to where now, okay, if you want to be a quarterback that stays at this level for a long time, you're going to fit need to fix some of those mistakes like when that aggressiveness is getting too much and starts to beat him, or maybe even trying to make up for the fact that he is a bit of a subpar athlete compared to a lot of other guys, especially now going to his age 33 season. So great story to start off, but there's still definite flaws in his game that he needs to work on. But most importantly, there was a lot of good in his game that we really didn't see for a long time. And maybe it's a shame that we won't be able to see it much because He's probably only going to be around for a couple more years if he ages like most quarterbacks do. Maybe he doesn't because he's got a lot less uh, wear and tear on his body from all the time off. But, you know, cool story, and I just want to get into a season where that story began. Yeah, speaking of the wear and tear, just quickly before I jump into the game, like um, I-, I mentioned him taking a lot of hits, and he's really aggressive in that sense, both in terms yeah. of sacks and his pressure snaps turning into hits. So I, I do wonder, um, we did project him with a couple of games missed, um, and I, I'm not entirely sure if he'll be able to um, 
completely hold up over the course of the long term if he continues with his play style. Um, but anyway, let's move to week one where against Denver, he was very, very good in this game. Extremely accurate, barely missed any passes. Um, the Seahawks didn't really ask him to do too much in terms of pushing the ball down the field early on in the season. Um, but he does make a couple of explosive plays. Um, does take two sacks, which I didn't think were too bad. Um, and he is holding on to the ball a little bit, but very successful in this one because of that sharp accuracy um, uh, and not putting the ball in harm's way in this one. Yeah, to me, I wouldn't say he was very good because of that reason you mentioned where he wasn't asked to do a whole lot. I think at this point in the season, the Seahawks still looked at Geno Smith as, I mean, we all looked at Geno Smith, to be quite honest, as him not being a fully capable quarterback necessarily, as him just kind of being there to fill in. So I don't think they truly gave him the keys to the offense in this one. But in this one, you started to see flashes of what we saw the rest of the year. For example, like you mentioned, the accuracy was absolutely incredible in this one, as he was pretty much all year. He led the league in completion percentage for a reason. Uh, He did a great job of not making mistakes in this one. He did lose a fumble that the Seahawks were able to get back, so isn't too big of a mistake in my book. But to me, not not really any interceptable passes in this one. But like I said, I think the main reason that was because he was asked to be not really too aggressive in this game, I felt like. He wasn't really made to do a whole lot. And that second half, the Broncos defense, which is one of the better ones in the league this year, especially at this point where they had no injuries yet, they really locked down Gino in the second half. It seemed like he wasn't didn't really know what he was doing. And I feel like he didn't do the best job of getting the ball to his playmakers as he did later in the season. Him, DK Lockett, had a great connection going, but in this game it certainly wasn't the case. To me, it seemed like a lot of safe passes, a lot of checkdowns, a lot of passes to the tight end over the middle. You know, stuff you give your backup quarterback to do when he's filling in if you don't really trust him. And I think Gino was, is capable of a lot more. He showed that he's capable of a lot more. And that's why, to me, this was just the average performance because I think a lot of guys could have done what he did here. But he did do what he needed to do. All right, moving on to the next one. First of a couple of other matchups against San Francisco, and this one does not go well. Um, spoiler, the other ones do not also go well. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the, this was just like the, the rhythm of the offense was just very off. He takes a couple of sacks but was under pressure quite a lot. Um, the Seahawks didn't really ask him to push the ball down the field super aggressively. And he put the ball in, tar- in harm's way for uh, two interceptable passes, one of them being caught. Um, yeah, just I, I really didn't like the way that the Seahawks offense – uh, operate in this one and his performance did not pass the sniff test for me either yeah only time will tell tell if this continues but for whatever reason this Niners team really seems to have Geno's number and it's kind of f- funny because as a Niners fan for years I watched Russell Wilson torch us and it seemed like Russell Wilson just had a knack for beating this team and it seems like the opposite for Geno because a game like this was not typical for him of this season, even this early into the season where he was really good. And especially against a Niners team that lost who was supposed to be like their starter for the season in Trey Lance. And obviously Jimmy has a lot of experience, but he wasn't expected to come in and play here. Uh, but Gino still was pretty terrible throughout. I think one big part was at this point in the year, the Seahawks still had not fully given him in the keys. And one big part of that was, 
them really going into the rushing attack or expecting to have to. And the Niners pretty much shut that out in this game. And I think that really, really locked things up for Geno Smith because there was a lot less space, a lot tighter windows. And he seemed like he wasn't really able to operate in that. He was still very accurate, but I'd say it was because he was very, very unaggressive. I think his stats look a lot better than even when he played because Tyler Lockett just kept getting wide open or he'd just catch it underneath and just break tackles for a bunch of yards. It wasn't really Geno Smith throwing guys open or getting people open in space. Uh, those two interceptable passes, one of which did swing things and the other one should have swung things, both terrible passes in my opinion. And in general, I just don't think he dealt with the pressure well either. It seemed like it knocked him off his game. That's why he took those two sacks and just felt like he was kind of floundering the whole game, I guess you could say. Uh, to me, this was a pretty bad performance, but definitely not a sign of things to come. All right, moving on to the next one against Atlanta. So this one, um, he makes some really, really impressive throws, uh, but it is held back by his mistakes in this one again for me. Puts the ball in harm's way four times um, with interceptable passes, one of them being caught. Um, takes a couple of sacks again, um, but I didn't think these ones were as bad as the previous game. Um I mean, just putting the ball in harm's way four times is really bad, but um, the way that he's able to generate explosive plays on tough throws, um, and he did kind of dominate the intermediate area of the field as well. Um, so I was impressed with his ability to generate positives in, positives in this one and equally unimpressed by his ability to avoid negatives in this one. So, um, yeah, that just kind of ends up as okay for me. Yeah, I'm a little bit higher on this game, and I think to me it was because this was like, the breakout game for Gino, where I felt like he finally got out of that shell the Seahawks were kind of putting him in of just being the conservative, keep it short guy, uh, not really using his skill set. And in this one, he really showed out and showed what he could do. But I also will agree. He also showed all the mistakes that constantly held him back throughout the season. And it was very, very prominent in this one. Uh, so, yeah, I agree. A lot of up and downs in this one. He was once again very, very accurate in my opinion. I think the it, he was already has a pretty good completion percentage on paper, but I think even more so he was even more accurate. I think he did a very, very good job of spreading the ball in this one. I think one of the best traits of Geno Smith is, in fact, that, that he is able to really break down defenses, and he's so accurate that he can pass it to any of these guys he doesn't need a favorable matchup which he does have in most cases with like a DK Metcalf or like even Tyler Lockett in a lot of scenarios but he doesn't need to go to those because he's got such great accuracy and has such a knack for anticipating where to throw the ball uh but yeah all of that and all the aggressiveness from going downfield does get taken away a little bit by the fact that he did have that one interception, which I did think was pretty costly, as well as another interceptable pass that just happened to be dropped. That really cost him. I think he did a bad job versus pressure against a team that really doesn't get too much pressure. I think him being under duress a lot in this game and taking two sacks is a pretty poor performance in general. But I think in this one, he was able to show what he could do. I think the running game and the Falcons just having a little bit of a bad defense allowed him to do more than in those other games against two pretty damn good defenses in the Broncos and Niners. So definitely his breakout game, but still 
the mistakes hold him back to just a good performance to me. All right, moving on to the next one against Detroit. This one was a masterclass, one of the best games I watched all season from any quarterback. It was absolutely insane. Um, his ability to generate positives with consistency and accuracy while being completely uh, unbridled in terms of his aggression. He didn't throw any interceptable passes, no sacks. Um, Detroit's defense got absolutely manslaughtered, but um, I think Gino was at the forefront of it um, combined with the running game. So um, absolutely fantastic performance. Um, I was overwhelmed by this game. Wow, well, that's a lot of praise for this game. I'm going to completely agree with you that this was a very, very good game from Dino. I will probably not go as far as saying this is one of the best games I've seen all season, but they also, just like you, there's really nothing bad I can take away from this game because he was absolutely incredible. And first of all, what an incredible game this was. 48-45 going back and forth. You have a little Lions comeback in the end, which we talked about in our golf episode a little bit ago. But Gino was absolutely incredible in this one. He was so, so accurate. Probably one of his most accurate performances all year. I really couldn't point to a pass and say he did the wrong thing here. He finally did a great job of attacking those mismatches, like I said in the previous game. He can. And even though even then, he was still spreading the ball out because of how many holes there was in this Lions defense. But DK Metcalf was just absolutely shredding this Lions defense. And Gino was taking advantage, hitting him deep, hitting Lockett deep. And it's just beautiful seeing Gino Smith make those throws because he just does a great job of just lobbing the ball up and dropping it right in the receiver's breadbasket. Almost better than anybody else in the league, I'd say. It's it's just one of those parts of the game that I re that he's like really mastered maybe from doing this for so many years. And I will say the run game being so so dominant in this game really opened things up for Geno Smith. Uh, it made things really easy for him, and this Lions defense just being bad made things really easy for him. But even with that, even if it wasn't necessarily an impressive defense or hard competition. He still did exactly what he needed to do. He torched this defense deep multiple times. And even when he wasn't doing that, he was dominating the intermediate range of the field. He was dominating the short passing game. Pretty much every way offensively, Gino and the Seahawks offense was dominating. So incredible performance from him. All right, moving on to the next one. Uh, I'm going to say it again, but this is one of the best performance I saw all year. Um, especially in terms of the quality of tight window throws that he made. I think he made the best throw of the year by any quarterback in this one. Um, his second touchdown pass to Tyler Lockett. Um, it doesn't look the most crazy like the most crazy thing um, from the regular angle, but watching this one from the end zone angle or the wide um, on the all 22, you can really get a feel for how ridiculous this throw is. Like even thinking of throwing this is absolutely insane because he's throwing it into triple coverage with another defender behind those three. So he kind of has to fit it in between two defenders on either side of Tyler Lockett and then make sure the ball doesn't uh, hang in the air long enough for the third defender to come come into the picture and make a play. Absolutely obscene throw. Um, and then he makes a number of other throws out of structure and in structure to Lockett and Metcalf. Um, some of them being dropped as well. It's 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 ridiculous the throws that he was making in this game. Um, in, it it 
is only held back by him having one turnover where he played, one dropped interception in this one. Um, and if he didn't have that, I would be calling this the best game of the year. But um, even with the, the turnover where he played, it was an obscene game in terms of the difficulty of throws that he was making um, and his level of play overall as a result. Yeah, to me, you're definitely stretching it a lot by calling it in competition for one of the best games of the year. I think the last one fair, this one, not so much for me. But that, with that being said, this definitely was a very good performance once again. And I knew which throw you were talking about immediately when you said it, because I believe you sent that to me, uh, that second locket touchdown pass to me. And I have to say that throw was absolutely incredible. That kind of ties in once again to what I was talking about in the last game where Gino just has a knack for those deep passes on down the sideline where he's kind of just able to drop it right in the bread basket. And even when there's defenders around, he's just got that routine down to such a T that he's just able to beat those guys with those passes. So yeah, incredible pass for me from there. And just in general, he did a great job of staying aggressive all game. He attacked the Saints deep so many times, not only going to lock it on that one, but also DK. Also, Noah Fant had a pretty big game. And outside of that, he was still dominating the intermediate range of the field, all while still being very, very accurate. And I will say, I think his accuracy dropped slightly in this one. To me, that's another reason this game wasn't perfect because I think there were a lot of passes he could have made, but that's more me nitpicking. He was definitely more than accurate or more than necessary in terms of accuracy in this one, just not perfect levels. And I think another place where he struggled a little bit was dealing with the pressure in this one. Even though he made a lot of incredible throws, I felt like outside of those, he was under pressure a lot and did take three sacks, which I thought all were mostly his fault from just holding the ball too long and even just the pressure coming to him. I think that's kind of the aggressiveness getting the best of him once again, where he's trying to hold the ball till the last second and try to make that amazing throw. And most of the time it works, but I will say as we get more and more into the season, some of those sort of things kind of disrupt the timing of plays. It just it becomes a thing, recurring thing that defenses pick up on. But at this point in the year, it's definitely not something of concern and definitely not something that held him back. In terms of interceptable passes or any turnover-worthy plays, he had none of those, which, once again, very, very good on him. Very minor mistakes, I would say, in terms of the couple misses accuracy-wise and the sacks. So still a good performance to me overall, but I wouldn't put it in that same tier as you as best performances of the year. All right, moving on to the next one. So he crashes down to earth in these next couple games. Um, Against Mm -hmm. Arizona, this one was very, very mediocre. Puts the ball in harm's way for a dropped interception. Takes five sacks on not that many pressures. Um, Yeah, he wasn't very good in this one. Pushes the ball down the field a little bit occasionally, but wasn't too successful, and the accuracy wasn't uh, as good as the previous few games. Um, Just a very, very mediocre performance overall, and I would have expected better against a very woeful defense. Yeah, this was definitely a mid-off between both of the quarterbacks in this one. And I got to say, in my opinion, Gino probably won this mid-off or lost, however you want to put it. 
but it was definitely a steep, steep drop-off from what was the last two weeks, and seemingly random, uh, of course, because this Cardinals defense is, like you mentioned, PD, really, really bad, probably one of the worst in the league last year, so I'm not sure what prompted this, maybe just being a divisional matchup, but the amount of pressure he was taking against this Cardinals defense was incredible. And I think that ties back into what I was talking about last week, where he's just sometimes trying to hold on to the ball too long or maybe just run around in the pocket, try to make something happen. And he just simply isn't that guy to do that consistently. That's why he seemed to be under pressure all day, which kind of knocked him off his rhythm overall, which is why he just wasn't good too much. Took five sacks, which was pretty bad. Uh, I wouldn't say he had any interceptable passes, in my opinion, but I think that's because he was just super conservative in the throws he was making. Uh, And Gino is another one of those quarterbacks that we've talked about recently in like a Kirk Cousins, a Tua, a Dak Prescott, in which he probably in a lot of games is not going to make enough high-level plays to make up for uh, like just being this conservative. Or I guess that's the wrong way of phrasing it, but like he is capable of making those big plays like we've seen in the last couple of weeks, but he's not good enough to where when he's this conservative, it just happens for him. And I think that was the issue in this one. He was just throwing it really safe, not exploiting those advantages he has with guys like DK, Tyler Lockett. He was just keeping it short, really seeming a lot more like that week one quarterback we saw where he was just getting it to his tight ends, short, keeping it simple. And I guess maybe they were just trying to get in and out with this win, but still just not an impressive game from Gino because it seemed like he took a heavy downturn in ability all right moving on to the next one in la against the chargers in this one and i think the box score is lying a little bit i think that he threw two interceptable passes one of them being caught um but he was able to make up for it somewhat with some explosive plays down the field um and he was slightly more aggressive pushing the ball down the field um, than the previous game only took two sacks on a similar amount of pressure as the previous game um and i think this game just generally was a little bit more average because um, those kind of those explosive plays and the turnover plays kind of offset for me. Um, and the rest of the game, he just kind of didn't do too, didn't do too much um, to change my evaluation overall. Yeah. I wouldn't say the box score lied in an incredible amount because I would still put this as a decent to slightly above average performance, but it definitely makes it look better than it was. I do think he was very, very accurate in this one, and I think this is probably uh, Geno Smith finally getting back to the level of accuracy we expect out of him, Uh, but he still kind of bothered me in terms of not really being as aggressive as he should have been, and maybe that's because they were up a lot this game, so he didn't really need to go deep. Or, But he really wasn't attacking deep or the intermediate range where I feel like Gino really should be cooking. He once again did a poor job of attacking his uh, mismatches in Tyler Lockett and DK. And I feel like he just went to once again the safer options a lot of the time. That's why we didn't see as many long passes, as many of those aggressive like plays. I also think those two interceptable passes really pulled down his overall performance to me as well as a, I think he lost a fumble in this game as well. So that just becomes too many mistakes for me, as well as two sacks, which I feel like he shouldn't have taken. 
just him standing in the pocket too long. But in general, he still was quite accurate, still got a decent amount of offense going, as you can see a lot of points out on the board. As a result, it's like a solid to maybe slightly above average performance, but definitely not what I was expecting out of Gino. All right, moving on to the next one against the Giants. Another monster performance from Gino, making explosive plays left and right. Um, Tyler Lockett even drops one of his explosive plays. Uh, this was this was a monster performance. He just continue, continuously attacked the Giants down the field, um, was also countering with some short passes as well. Um, took three sacks, which is going to hurt his overall level of play a little bit, but the number of explosive plays that he was making, just continually attacking whatever small advantages that um, the Seahawks receivers were creating and the big advantages too. Just amazing performance. Um incredible incredible explosive play generation in this one yeah you honestly summed it up very perfectly Gino came out and had a very very strong performance and I honestly feel like the box score lies on him negatively a bit because I think the performance was even better than it looks like on paper and I think it is because of the quality of throws he was making in this like you mentioned just insane high level throws the guys like Lockett and Metcalf. And finally, he did what I was talking about the last two games that he wasn't doing. He finally got back to exposing those matchups. Those two guys, like I said from the start, are mismatches on almost everybody. And him not going to them and just not being aggressive with those matchups is just stupid to do. And I'm glad he went back to that. And while doing that, he was still spreading the ball out. You know, we've seen multiple times with Gino, and we saw it again. He's able to not only go to those two guys primarily, but still spread the ball out so much because he's so good at breaking down defenses and getting it to the right guy almost every time. And this Giants team was very good in terms of rushing the quarterback, so he did take a lot of pressure, took a lot of sacks. But I think in this game, it was more just the offensive line letting him down a bit than it being his fault. But once again, another one of those games he had where no interceptable passes, no fumbles, just straight up clean, accurate passes, always getting it to the right guy, only really uh, had mishaps when it came to like drops or a little bit of miscommunications here and there. Nothing major to disrupt this offense or just keep it from pushing the way it should. And very importantly, a really, really strong fourth quarter to end this game and really put teams away or put this Giants team away. This Giants team was a team that like has always been good and kind of stuck around against a lot of other teams and kind of came away with wins at the end. And Gino did a great job of putting together two drives when the Seahawks really needed it late in the game. It was tied to and made very very huge passes in those two pretty much all just throwing the whole way downfield including one like 33 yard touchdown pass to Lockett which I think you mentioned that was really good so overall great performance from him all right moving on to the next one in week nine at Arizona um this one I thought was okay um puts the ball in harm's way a couple of times with interceptable passes one of them being caught um and I think that he did a little bit of a better job managing pressure. He was under pressure quite a bit um, and took two sacks, but he was holding the ball, holding onto the ball quite a bit. Um, and that kind of hurt their ability to um, um, just kind of generate offense quickly. Um, they were really, really not aggressive at all with the play calling, preferring to keep things short. But I think 
Gino did decent with um, what he was given, still managing to generate an explosive play. Um, so yeah, this this one was kind of okay for me. Yeah, I would side a little bit better. I would. It definitely isn't one of his better performances that we've seen in like the recent few weeks. Uh, before I guess this dull period, the dull period, but he definitely had a pretty good performance in my opinion because once again the accuracy was top tier he didn't really miss many passes and i have to say just like you the lack of aggression that came in this game had to be or was completely due to play calling i don't think it was you know deciding to not go downfield because when he did have the opportunities he still connected on good passes to like Noah Fant or even a couple of deep passes to Tyler Lockett he was still doing his thing when he was allowed to it's just the Seahawks were not trying to go downfield I think for whatever reason in these games which maybe they deem bigger because it's a divisional matchups or whatnot the Seahawks still tended to not fully trust Geno and kind of dial back on what he was allowed to do and that's when you see him not have as good of performances because as we've talked about with Gino and a lot of these quarterbacks of that sort of mold if they're not aggressive and they're not coming out firing you're just simply not going to get as good of a performance from them so I think that's what ended up being the issue here the one interception which I thought was his only turnover worthy play all game holds him back a little bit but still not enough to take it away from being a good performance overall all right, moving on to the Tampa Bay game, this one in London, and um, Gino has a really ugly fumble at the end of the game, also has an interceptable pass. It was kind of bad. Um, and I think that um, he took a little bit too much pressure um, for what was good for him, uh, but he does make up for it a decent, decently well with explosive plays down the field, has a fantastic throw uh, outside the pocket where he pushes it into the end zone for a touchdown. Um, yeah, I thought he was he was okay in this one. Um, but definitely not great because of the mistakes that he did end up making. To me, this was a tale of two halves for Gino, and I don't know if it was because of the London game, it being like obviously in a different country, very uh, different circumstances that he's not used to, but he really came out flat, I felt like, from majority of this game. Uh, and I really think his uh, game was saved by that fourth quarter and his stats were saved by that fourth quarter where he almost pulled this... Seahawks team back to winning and I think a big reason that was the case was because the rushing attack was pretty much non-existent in this one and I know Gino's not the sort of quarterback that needs that to be a big part of the game but in a lot of Gino's best performances there is a pretty even amount of rushing the passing and when you ask Gino to carry the offensive load to this extent I feel like he was just put in a position that he wasn't familiar with, and it had him do a lot of uncharacteristic things. Like, one, I think he's really good at managing pressure for the most part, and I think he did a really, really bad job in this one. I think he was under way too much pressure. It felt like a lot of his dropbacks he was under pressure and took three sacks where I really didn't think he needed to. I also thought that fumble was really, really bad, was pretty costly to them in the game overall. Uh, I also agree that there was one interceptable pass here that should have been avoided. So it's just the mistakes kind of piling on that kept them from this offense from just not producing anything for the longest time. But I will say, 
at the end of the game, Gino did pull things together. He was still very accurate throughout, but in that end of the game, he was able to expose those mismatches and, that he has on the field and kind of do a little bit more. But I'll, I'm, I'm going to say this a bunch of times. I just would have loved to see Gino be a lot more aggressive. He didn't really attack the ball downfield more than like 20 yards against the defense who was very, very prone to stuff like that happening. And I don't know what it was at the start of the game that had him coming out flat and inconsistent, but I think that what caused this to be a pretty like map performance for me. All right, moving on to the next one against the Raiders. So this one, again, the interceptions or the mistakes really end up costing them um, or costing him in terms of performance. Um, has one interception, but I think he had two more turnover-worthy plays um, with interceptable passes and then also has another fumble. Um, his accuracy, again, was good in this one, and he made a number of explosive plays, but the pressure really started getting to him and he started making mistakes. Um, and he ended up taking three sacks. So those kind of explosive plays with the sacks um, and the interceptable passes offset for me. Um, and that, that kind of ended up with him having an average performance. To me, this game was a prime example of the thing we've talked about from the start where Geno Smith's mistakes end up costing the team the game and, yeah, end up pretty much losing them this. I felt like the Seahawks were in a very much good position to win this. And I will say the Seahawks also had a lot of drive or a couple of drives down the stretch of this game led by big passes from Geno that kept them in this. But ultimately it was the mistakes that he kind of just threw them out of the game with. And I think once again the – Rushing attack kind of being non-existent in this one, probably because it was just a shootout the whole way. It really put all of the offensive load on Gino, and when you give him 37 passes in a game, you kind of have to expect he's going to make those mistakes. And I guess to start with some positive, he was incredibly accurate once again, like he has been all year. He really exposed that DK matchup, and he was still aggressive, went deep to pretty much all his receivers he was making a lot of chunk plays like that but again the sacks and the interception but interceptable uh, passes are going to hold him back I had two interceptable passes on the day for him he took way more pressure than he needed to and that led to another three sacks that really held the Seahawks back down the stretch a couple of three and outs as a result of those uh that fumble, I would say, was pretty a pretty bad fumble as well. Most definitely his fault and definitely, you know, changed the course of the game. So overall, even though he did a great job once again of spreading the ball out, attacking his matchups, being aggressive, the mistakes hold him back ultimately, and it's an average performance for me. All right, moving on to the next one this time. In L.A. against the Rams, and I thought he was pretty good in this one, um, had a really nice explosive play and a nice drive at the end of the game, um, but does have an interception that was kind of bad. Um, and he was really, really accurate in this one. But again, the mistakes just hurting his performance again, time after time after time. Um, in addition to the interceptable pass, he takes four sacks, holding onto the ball quite a lot. Um, so the pressure really bothering him in this one. Um, I, I did think that he made up for it very well, though. Um, with very, very strong accuracy and the drive at the end of the game, which was really nice, um, and some explosives down the field. Yeah, I agree. This was a very similar game to the last one. 
to where he did have a lot of uh mistakes that hold back his overall performance, including an interception in the fourth quarter that almost cost them the game if he didn't come back and bring them back. So I'm going to give him props for that, obviously, uh, as well as that fumble, which is a pretty huge part of that game. Uh, once again, against the not too dangerous of a pass rush, he took four costly sacks and was under pressure quite a lot this game. Uh, really, I'm, I'm not sure where it's come from in this in this stretch of games where he's really struggling to deal with pressure, but it certainly became an issue. I think it is because he was trying to be more aggressive. But despite those mistakes, I do agree that in this one, Gino is able to more than enough overcome it because of a lot of explosive plays, because I think he did a great, great job of going after the Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf uh, and their matchups, who I'd say they well overmatched whoever was on the Rams guarding them. And that's why Gino was just able to torch him. And in this one, he still did a great job of spreading the ball out. And I think that's, that's ultimately what had me convinced this was a good game is he did exactly what I say he needs to in attacking those matchups while still spreading the ball. And he did it to a T because both Lockett and Metcalf had monster games and he still had a monster game overall through throwing nearly 400 yards because he was getting it to all kinds of guys. And obviously that final drive to win them the game and take the lead is a very nice touch overall becomes a very good performance for me. All right, moving on to the next one against Carolina. I think this one is his worst game of the season. Um, it might not look that way just from the box score, but the interceptable passes that he was throwing were disastrous. Um, he has five turnover-worthy plays in this one for me. Um, only ends up in two interceptions in the box score. And like the quality of these interceptable passes is like egregiously bad. He has multiple throwing in the red zone, one in the end zone, um, which is just an absolute drive killer um, and he still ends up with a couple of interceptions on top of that. Um, and then to top it off, not a great job managing pressure, very, very aggressive pushing the ball down the field. So that's going to save him from having one of the worst games overall in the season. Um, like for most of his games, he is very, very capable of generating explosive plays down the field with his aggression and arm talent, but uh, man, way, way too many mistakes. And the accuracy wasn't really up to snuff with the way he was attacking downfield in this one. Yeah, I absolutely agree with a lot of what you said, because in my opinion, Gino threw away this game for the Seahawks. And I think the other couple of interceptable passes were worse. But for me, the biggest ones were what ended up keeping them out of this game early on was him coming in first drive, throws a pick, allows this Panthers team, who honestly isn't very good, the Seahawks team should have beat them, allows them to go up two scores very early, still very inconsistent early in this game, throws another interception again in the first half to really make the Panthers have a strong lead by the time it was halftime. And those other three interceptable passes were honestly worse, in my opinion. Uh, I think the the one he threw in the end zone was probably one of the worst I've seen him throw all season. His accuracy dropped tremendously in this one, and I'm not sure if it was because those interceptions had him rattled or he thought it was a bad team so he could be extra aggressive and get away with it. But the accuracy was really not there. Uh, 
And he honestly did do a good job of the things I said, like being aggressive, spreading the ball, attacking uh, his positive matchups. But for whatever reason, he was just off accuracy-wise. So none of that even mattered, even though he was trying to do. It was just one of those games where he had the right mindset, but his stuff was just completely off. His game was just not there today. And he essentially threw the Seahawks out of a very winnable very, or a very, very winnable game. And I will grant him this was a tough, a tough game because his rushing attack wasn't really doing too much. I think his top two RBs were out at this time. Well, I believe Penny was already out for the season at this point. And I think Walker had an injury at this point as well. So a lot of the load of the offense did fall upon him, which like I've said before, when that happens, Gino does tend to struggle uh, I think the culmination of him having an off day and kind of those injuries just end up him having a very, very bad game. Yeah, one of the things we don't talk about on this podcast too much is that um, because we're very, very process-oriented, like mm-hmm. fully process-oriented almost, um, interceptable passes that are dropped still are incompletion, so they hurt the rhythm of the offense a little bit, and continually yeah. doing that is just burning passes, um, even if you are getting lucky on them. And from a process standpoint, it's pretty horrible, but... Um, even on a results standpoint, it's it's very bad. Um, all right, moving on to the next one against San Francisco. So, again, um, this one he struggles again because of the pressure with San Francisco. Um, defense absolutely loaded. Um, he does throw another very bad interceptable pass. Does make up for it a couple with, with, with a couple of uh, explosive plays here and there. Um, but it's not really enough to lift it out of the average territory for me. Um, especially with the way that they were calling plays like – trying to keep it as close as possible to the line of scrimmage um, and still having to deal with that much pressure. It was just, it was just a little bit of a nightmare for the Seahawks offense. Yeah. I would say this was probably the best of Geno's three performances against the Niners in this season. I guess a little bit preview for the next one. And obviously we've talked about the first one, but still very, very lackluster. And the Niners still very much seem to have his number. And obviously the Niners having one of the best rush defenses in the league and Kenneth Walker coming back from injury on a short week, it really didn't lend to a great run game. And as we know, the offense falls on Geno Smith and things didn't go too good that when that happened. He did have a miss a fumble as well, which didn't really uh oh uh, what's it, it didn't end up in the Niners' hands, but like we said with the drop picks, that's another play wasted, really messes the rhythm of the offense, wastes it down. That's uh, that's just a problem. Same with that interceptable pass. He took a lot of pressure in this one, and I will say that kind of happens to most quarterbacks when you play this Niners defense. But even then, he just seemed to try to stick it in the pocket too long to a fault, and that's why he ends up taking three sacks as well. So just a lot of mistakes we just simply didn't make up for with big plays in this one. Uh, the Niners pretty much all season were very good at limiting the big plays. And that just yielded Gino to be that short, underneath, safe, conservative quarterback, which we have said isn't his best version at all and really, really limits what he can do offensively. I don't think he nearly exploited those matchups with DK and Tyler Lockett enough. And as a Niners fan, I can say those are both guys we don't had we didn't have people to guard, and Gino should have attacked those off matchups a lot more. But the pressure just kind of constantly being in his face really knocked him off his mark and just made this a not too great of a performance. 
All right, moving on to the next one in Kansas City. Um, really tough matchup in terms of the team that they're going up against, but um, I thought Gino was okay in this one. Puts the ball in harm's way a couple of times, but does make up for it um, with some explosive plays and was generally more accurate than the box score would indicate. Um, has some passes dropped, batted, um, with some miscommunications as well. So I think his accuracy was better than the box score indicates. Um, and that's why I would say this one was a little bit of an above average performance rather than the mediocre one that the box score indicates. I'm, I guess I'm a little bit more with what the box score says because I watched this and felt that this was a mediocre or slightly below average performance. I was not a, I was not a huge fan of it. And I will agree with you. The completion percentage definitely lies. I'm not going to come out here and say he dipped in accuracy because a lot of that was just batted balls, drops, miscommunications here and there. To me, the issue lied with him and his lack of aggression. And I'll say this time and in time out, Gino simply is not a good quarterback when he's not being uh, aggressive. And I think a big reason had to be, uh, I believe Tyler Lockett didn't play in this one. And I think that removed a huge element of their offense. I think he's obviously a great, uh, great round runner, great after the catch. He really dominates that middle intermediate range of the field. Uh, and that's where Gino likes to go a lot. And I feel like without that element, he wasn't nearly as aggressive as he needed to be going downfield. He tried a couple of times with DK and like there's that one off pass to Colby Parkinson that went deep. But overall, he really wasn't trying to push the ball downfield. And I feel like that's the reason this offense was so stagnant, had so many three and outs because they were being way too conservative. I thought that interception he threw was completely his fault as well. And I think pretty much threw them out of the game. Uh, so to me, that's a pretty bad mistake there. Uh, against this Chiefs team that really didn't pressure him a whole lot, he still held the ball too long and felt took a lot of pressure. Uh, two sacks is in the end of the world, but still two that I felt like he didn't need to take. And overall, I just didn't think he did a good job of you know, shouldering this offense. And he didn't fully even need to because the run, rushing attack was pretty good. He kind of just needed to be a compliment. But I think he kind of reverted back to that version of Geno Smith, who was super conservative, who was not trying to do anything more than hit the check down or hit quick passes, get rid of the ball. All right, moving on to the next one. In Week 17, tough matchup um, defensively against the Jets. And... Gino was pretty mediocre in this one, in my opinion. Um, the accuracy, consistency of the offense, completing passes, um, very much down from previous games. Um, and then on top of that, um, he does put the ball in harm's way, again, for a dropped interception and has a fumble, which I thought was pretty bad. Also takes four sacks in this one, but he was able to generate a couple of explosive plays, which will help his um, advanced stats and in, in my opinion of him in this game. Um, so she's kind of okay in this one, um, but maybe you want to do a little bit of mental curving for the strength of the defense that they're playing against. Man, I was expecting a lot more because this was supposed to be the Geno Smith revenge tour right here. Uh, this is the same team that basically ousted him at the start of his career and basically sentenced him to being a career-long backup until this year. So I thought he was going to come out and have one of those masterclass type of Geno Smith games. And I will agree, this Jets defense is really, really good. 
But I think with the offense being as bad as it, as it was, the, the Seahawks had a lot of oppor- offensive opportunities. And obviously that's why they won this game. But I also think Gino had a lot of opportunities to do more and just simply didn't convert. Uh, I think the strength of this Jets defense is definitely the secondary. So the fact that he took as many sacks as he did and seemed to be under pressure quite a bit was a little bit concerning for me. I would say his accuracy dropped a little bit as well compared to the other games. Uh, it could have, it still wasn't bad, still one of the best in the league, but not up to his normal mark, I'd say. And to me, the biggest issue by far was, once again, the lack of aggression. I mean, he didn't go to Tyler Lockett or DK whatsoever. And sure, the Jets' two top two corners are really, really good and honestly locked them up pretty well, but... Gino's got one of those best deep back shoulder fade type blast passes in the game. He's one of the most accurate in making those tight window throws, maybe on a quick comeback, a little in route with a lot of uh with coverage right on them. He could have he can make those passes, but he simply wasn't aggressive enough or just didn't believe in himself enough to actually make those throws I think that's what held back the Seahawks offense from doing even better because they were constantly on offense but had so many stops because you know once again went to that conservative version of him and if it wasn't for a DJ Dallas pass that he kind of just broke for a bunch of yards I feel like his even on paper stats would look really really bad in this one uh and that fumble definitely doesn't help either I agree that was a pretty bad fumble and he was lucky to I believe he got it back, and I think he was very lucky to have got it back. Uh, to me, there weren't any interceptable passes in this one, but once again, it's due to the lack of aggression. And for me, this is going to be a below-average performance. All right, moving on to the next one. I think this one, unquestionably, below-average performance. Yep. Um, puts the ball in harm's way three times, two interceptions. Um, has a couple of nice runs, but like that's the only thing saving it from being an absolute disaster of a game. Um, takes three sacks with a bunch of pressure. And this is not a quality defense either to where I wanted to do some mental curving with the Jets defense. Um, the Rams defense at this point was absolutely decimated by injuries. Um, they really don't have that much talent in general. And Gino is just hucking up interceptable passes and, and uh, not doing enough to generate explosive plays. So yeah, I, I really can't say much for this one other than the fact that it's, it's a poor performance. Yeah, I thought this was a terrible way for Gino to end the regular season, especially going into his first ever playoff run. I was expecting a lot more going into it, and I'm not really sure what caused this to happen, but terrible performance from him almost cost them the game against a really, really bad team. Like Petey mentioned, three interceptable passes, and I'd say three of his probably worst interceptable passes of the year, too. The two that actually ended up being fixed uh my goodness they were they were pretty bad throws and this was in a game once again where I thought the rushing attack was pretty good it wasn't the most efficient but it got a lot of yards and they went to it often so Gino wasn't even asked to really carry the offensive load here but he was very very uncharacteristically on inaccurate it was one of those games he came in and he just simply didn't have his stuff and he was sailing a lot of passes he wasn't going to stop through threats nearly as much as he needed to. Uh, he was being aggressive, to be fair. Like, he was trying to go downfield and whatnot. But like I said, it was one of those games where he just simply didn't have his stuff, so he's missing anyways. 
So it really didn't matter. And against a team that at this point in the season was not pressuring him that much at all, he was just held onto the bat ball and took three pretty bad sacks, I would say. So just a really bad performance. He didn't do too much in this one. I'd say one of his worst of the year, given the circumstances and how bad this Rams defense was at this point in the year. All right, moving on to the next one, which is the final game of the season, the playoff game. Um, and Gino was kind of mediocre in this one, had a bad fumble and an interception that I thought was pretty bad. Um, took three sacks on a decent amount of pressure, some of it being very self-generated. Um, he does generate a really, really nice explosive play down the left sideline to DK Metcalf, um, which I think gave the Seahawks the lead for a little bit. But um, beyond that, just um, not great rhythm for the offense and his turnover-worthy plays in this one, again, for the tr- trillionth time. Um killing the Seahawks offense. So, yeah, rough way to end the year. Yeah, I'll be honest. I wasn't as generous on this game uh, on Geno Smith as you were because I thought he was pretty ass in this one. I thought this was probably his worst performance against the 49ers. And that DK Metcalf deep, uh, I guess, like 50-yard touchdown really, really pulls his game up from being in the gutters. And I would say that, that pass was completely on DK anyways because he just absolutely burnt uh, Charvarius Ward and Gino had a wide open streak to pass to. But honestly, he was just pushed off his mark this entire game. That interception and fumble were both very, very, very costly and honestly threw them out of the game in that second half. Going into halftime, this was a very, very winnable game for the Seahawks. They had pulled it together or pulled it back and taken the lead in that first half. And I think Gino came out a little bit rocky in that first quarter, was a little inaccurate. A lot of those incompletions happened then, but he pulled things together in that second quarter. But the second half, we saw the Gino that cost the Seahawks time in, time out all season uh, with his turnover-worthy plays. We saw the interception. I I thought he had another interception-worthy play that was dropped in this game. That fumble, uh, a lot of those the that the pressures you see in this game and the sacks he too the sacks he took came in that second half where he was just trying to make something happen and he just wasn't able to. I think the only real person all game he had like a decent connection with was DK. And honestly, it was because DK was just absolutely cooking uh, Charvarius Ward, like I mentioned earlier. It really wasn't Gino doing anything out of character. I think if DK wasn't as on point as he was in this one, Gino might have had his worst game of his career because in terms of, or not career, sorry, this season. Because in terms of what he was actually doing and the stuff he had in this game, he was very bad. His accuracy was off. He wasn't being really aggressive. He seemed flustered because of the pressure. It was just a pretty bad performance and really disappointing way for him to end a pretty, pretty good season. All right. So that will wrap up our discussion of Geno Smith's 2022 season. So let's move on to Geno Smith on this current team in 2023 um, in terms of the team and the scheme. Uh, so let's talk about the team first. Um, I think Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet are a great complement for each other as running backs. Uh, we can quibble all we want about the value of taking a running back in the second round back-to-back years, but um, I think that they complement each other really well for, for what it's worth. Um, and then I absolutely love this receiver core. Um, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett 
provide incredible vertical spacing for uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba to work underneath. Um, I'm not sure if Jackson Smith and Jigba would be a giant uh, volume target guy like he was at Ohio State at points um, for this offense to be maximized because Gino is really aggressive pushing the ball down the field, and I would want him to continue doing that. Um, but maybe he can kind of work as a complement as rookie, and we'll see how the rest of the offense develops as time goes on. Um, and then Noah Fant, I also like as a compliment to all those guys. Um, in terms of their offensive line, um, there were holes in the offensive line that ended up showing up closer to the end of the year um, as they got more, uh, as they ha- suffered some injuries and, and such. Um, but I really love Charles Cross and Abe Lucas as a tackle duo. I think they should project towards the top of the league by the time the season is over. Um, the interior of the offensive line is really, really where the issues are. Um, Damian Lewis, Evan Brown, Phil Haynes, not really the greatest combination um, in terms of the average play of all three. Um, and I think they could definitely do a lot better than that um, as the as the years progress and, and they add more talent. Um, so I really, really love this receiver core and the way that the running game fits with that. Um, just about whether the offensive line can hold up. And then in terms of scheme, I really like the way that the Seahawks operate. Um, they really just hone in on on what Gino does best, which is taking five and seven step drops um, and chucking it deep down the field, um, and that's that's really good for Gino. That combined with his under center work, where he's handing the ball off and working off play action, um, that stuff is also a really good fit for him. Just anything that keeps him pushing the ball down the field um, is where I think he he needs to be. Um, because to be maximized, you want to really take advantage of that deep ball. It's the most valuable thing in his tool bag. Um, and then in terms of the way that like Drew Locke fits in, I guess um, Drew Locke doesn't really fit in anywhere. He just kind of does things that he wants to, um, throws the ball wherever he feels like. So there's never going to be a really good scheme fit for him. But um, if you want to just take advantage of his quote-unquote arm talent, I guess um, pushing the ball deep would be the way to go for him as well. Yeah, I honestly feel uh, very similar with a lot of this offense, how it fits around Gino. Because I also think this is a pretty good fit around him. And they've created an offense that really, and system too, I'd say, that really fits his skill set. Uh, first of all, we saw what Kenneth Walker could do last year, uh, ever since Rashad Penny got out. I think if we can have a healthy Kenneth Walker this year, I think he's a very, very capable three-down back. And not only that, because he's such a workhorse type of back and can do things out the backfield uh, in terms of passing, I think he's perfect for a Geno Smith who, as we saw in a lot of games last year, struggled when the running game wasn't as at its best at times. You want maybe Geno Smith not to exactly work off the run game in terms of play action because that's not like, what he does best but when the run game is going it really opens up a lot of what he likes to do so it's good to have a guy like Kenneth Walker I also think Zach Charbonnet was a really good pickup he's been pretty good in camp and I think he's going to be a solid like backup type of space DJ Dallas also being good depth I mean we've seen him used in the Seattle offense so overall the running back room looks good to me I think JSN was an absolute huge pickup for the receiver room uh, I agree with you, PD, in which I don't think he'll necessarily have a high-volume role. But I think bef- he's been in a situation at Ohio State where he was with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson for a lot of that season where he was at his best. He was the receiver three in that room, and he's shown capabilities of being 
very, very good despite low value, low volume in terms of actual catches and yards. So I think he's going to pair great with DK and Tyler Lockett, who both we already know fit in amazingly with Gino. Gino's done a great job of exposing those matchups all year. But I think JSN's another guy who's just kind of like uh, Tyler Lockett, not in terms of size, but in the sense he does a great job of finding space. He's just super good at not only going vertical, but also making a lot of lateral type of routes, a lot of crossers, stuff like that. Just getting wide open, just cooking in space. And that's something you really need with a guy like Geno Smith. So I think those the top three receivers are just going to be great for him. I think Noah Fant, kind of we know what we get out of him. Uh, I think Geno's not really the type of quarterback to go to his tight end a whole lot anyways. So I think having guys like Noah Fant, Will Disley does the job. And I agree with you that their tackles show a lot of promise. Last year, I mean, the Niners had some of the best defensive ends in the league, obviously having Nick Bosa and stuff. And honestly, the Seahawks did a great job on the edge of protecting uh, Gino with two rookie tackles last year. So this year, with another year of improvement, another year of camp and whatnot, I think they're only going to get better. But I agree with you with the sentiment that the interior of the offensive line is very unproven, probably not the most talented. I could see those just becoming huge holes, especially the guards, in my opinion. I think Evan Brown may be fine, but Lewis and Haynes, I'm really not huge fans of. And I think when the interior uh, of the O-line is that bad, I think the unit is going to be not too good as a whole. And Gino, especially being kind of older, not really very mobile, uh, having a lot of interior pressure is definitely not going to be good for him. We saw time in, time out last year where those uh, games where he was under pressure a lot really knocked him off. Uh, His accuracy knocked him off his fundamentals. And we really don't want that to happen. So that's a big area of concern for me. But in terms of the weapons around him, I really like it. And I think you talked about the scheme. I also really love uh, the scheme around the Gino. I believe their offensive coordinator who calls plays for him like, is Shane or Sean Waldron. I feel like he does a great job of having a very efficient yet effect- and effective offense with the Seattle team. All of their runs are, for the most part, very unique and creative, and they're able to get Kenneth Walker in space, able to use that speed to get the edge a lot of the time. And in terms of passing, I also agree that they do a great job of not really forcing Gino to go outside of the pocket, maybe do a bootleg or stuff like that. That's really out of his comfort zone. They allow him to drop back in the pocket, take as much time as he wants, use the... uh mental advantage he has in breaking down defenses and use that anticipation advantage he has over most defenses uh, and just deliver the ball where he needs to. They just let him drop back and do his thing with a lot of like Geno Smith type of quarterbacks who do have a little bit of athleticism, but it's not really a part of their game. Teams try to, I guess, use that to a fault by forcing him to maybe do like read options here and there or like play actions get him out of the pocket but they really know who Gino is they knew they know what he's good at and they've created a good offense around him so I'm really liking the just I'm really liking this team and scheme around him for sure going into next year all right let's get to the juicy stuff with the projections so 
Yep. Virginio, I think his median outcome is solidly into the above average starter range. Um, think like the 10th to 11th best quarterback. Um, I think that he could be hurt a little bit by injury because of the way that he plays the position. He takes a ton of hits, gets sacked a lot. Um, so one of those could be a little bit of a risky play. Um, but I think when he's healthy, he is in contention to make a Pro Bowl. And with the 75th percentile outcome, he will be in the Pro Bowl, um, kind of looking like the 7th to 8th best quarterback, I think, at his 75th percentile outcome. Um, and I think that his ability to push the ball down the field, complemented by JSN, could unlock um, some really, really tough choices that defenses have to make, whether committing underneath to JSN and his incredible yards after catch ability, um, or to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett over the top. Um, and then at the 100 percentile outcome, I could see him competing for an MVP. Like, honestly, like if the, this offense clicks the way that I think it has the potential to, um, yeah, he has that type of potential to me. Um, he is extremely aggressive. And if the player that we saw towards the beginning of the year is closer to the player that we get, watch out. Seattle is going to be a really, really strong team. Um, and then at the lower end outcomes, you know, the way that he ended the year, it's kind of very meh. So 25th percentile outcome, I think he's closer to like the 16th to 17th best quarterback. Um, and then the lowest percentile, he continues to take sacks, throw, uh, throw a ton of interceptions, and the deep ball really starts to regress. Um, so 25th and lower percentile outcomes, I think that goes more towards like 22nd, 23rd best quarterback because of the reliance on the deep ball and how or how small the sample size is with Gino as this new version of, of the player he once was. Um, I think it, it lends itself to a very, very wide range of outcomes. Yeah, honestly, I agree. And I say for, mo- for the most part, I've said that like, with quarterbacks who are a little bit older, who kind of have a skill set that we know how they're going to play, they don't have too much volatility in where I'm going to rank them because, like, we just know what we're going to get out of them. But because of Gino's situation, we really can't say that even though he's 33 years old. And that is the fact that he didn't play for, like, five or six years as a starter uh, until this past Seattle season. So for me, there is a lot of volatility there, uh, especially on the lower end of things, because for all we know, he could go back to that. And this was a, all just a fluke season and people may have had him figured out at this point. We really don't know with the guy like Geno Smith. But to me, I feel like on the median uh, outcome, he's probably going to end up at a similar level to where he was last year. To me, that's somewhere in that 8 to 11 range. I think on average, he's got the skill set and tools like we've talked about this entire pod to be among those elite guys. But I think the kind of the knack for throwing a lot of interceptions, the knack for making a lot of mistakes and being inconsistent, along with a lot of these other guys we've talked about recently who have that knack, uh, it downgrades them from being in that elite elite tier where I think that just the guys there either don't have that or make so many explosive plays to the point where that isn't a problem. And I do think in the high-end outcome, he could end up being somewhere in that 5-7 to seven range. And I guess the high-end isn't that much higher than where he is in the median level because, I mean, there isn't that much higher to go. And I really don't think he can be like a top 3-4 quarterback in the league. I just don't see that happening. 
But I do think if he can really limit those mistakes, if he can improve on the consistency from last year, because obviously it was his first year starting, uh, there is a lot to improve in terms of consistency over the course of a season. And he also has a lot more weapons now with the additions of JSN, full season of Kenneth Walker being the three down back. I think this offense, and if he limits some of those turnovers, he could go- jump up to that range. And I guess on the lower end outcome, there is a lot more he can fall, but I don't see him falling anymore to the from the uh, uh, other than like the 16 to 19 range. I could see him lean even more into those mistake proneness. Him being a year older, missed games could become an issue. And in the lower end outcome, I would assume he's missing a couple of games here and there. Uh, uh, and more, more importantly, I think injuries in the Seattle uh, just offensive core around him could really screw him over. Kenneth Walker is a guy who obviously can get injured and really mess things up for Geno Smith because I think the Seahawks really need a consistent run game for Geno to be any form of good or if uh, realistically in the receiver core I think they have so many weapons that uh, injury here and there won't matter but that could also affect it if a couple of those injuries pile up but I think the main thing is him just like falling even more to that mistake proneness now that uh, teams have a year of film on him they kind of know how to counter him a little bit more than they did last year there's obviously years of him being a backup for a reason if he kind of falls into that, he could maybe fall into that tier. And I guess in terms of Drew Locke, I have him as like a mid-tier backup. Honestly, he was a very, very poor starter, but I definitely think he's got the tools to be like roughly in the mid-tier of backups. In the worst-case worst, worst case scenario, I could see him falling to a third string because honestly, he's really bad and turns the ball over a lot, but... Uh, I it, so it could happen, and in the best case scenario, I guess if Gino misses more time than you expect because of an injury or whatever reason, and maybe he gets into a rhythm, I could see him maybe being like a slightly above average backup. But honestly, with the skill set Drew Locke has, I don't see much more than that. Yeah, Drew Locke is a backup with. Uh, I wouldn't say he has like. I don't know. I feel like people would associate his play style with high upside, but it does not have high no, upside to me. There's no upside there. There's there's no upside. The the accuracy and the the brain dead decision making is just it's just very very bad. All right. Yep. Um, make sure to like, leave a rating, do what you need to do on whatever platform that you're listening on. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at bd34 underscore and real Rahul Potty two. Um, that'll be all for me. That'll be all from Potty. We will see you guys on the next one. Peace. Yep. So,